Thanks for tuning in to the audio edition of our Sunday sermons. For more information about Cornerstone, visit cornerstonerome.com. Today we're going to continue with our uh, series entitled Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we've covered the Beatitudes, and now we're going to cover a little bit more in this sermon. And this is a message, really, obviously, the greatest message preached by the greatest preacher that ever preached, right? I mean, obviously, you've got to know that, right? The greatest preacher that ever preached was Jesus. greatest message ever preached was the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus talks so much about the Sermon on the Mount, so many different things. You'll be surprised what is all in this message. And if you think this brother goes long sometimes, you had not had a message until you sat at the feet of Jesus, he preached so long, you think you get hungry at lunchtime. Jesus preached so long, he turned to his staff and said, hey, listen, y'all go get some food for these boys. They, they're hungry. What are we going to feed them with? He said, I don't know. Go get a grill, some fish, and some chips or whatever. Feed all these people. He, he preached all day long. I'm not going to do that to you. But his message, this Sermon on the Mount message went for on and on and on and on. So today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about, this is all from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. We're going to look at this, Matthew 6, and we'll start in verse 16. We're going to share a little bit of today about this and, and given context of what you just saw, how much you've been able to help. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about what Jesus said as far as servant. Are we a servant of God or a servant of mammon? So <clears throat> my daughter asked my little one to help me out with this for today. First of all, I have a couple of things I'm going to show you. First of all, now don't, don't get all crazy like, oh, you know. I'm going to come up after church and see Pastor Jody. No, no, that's going back in my pocket. That's not, a, that's not one of these sermon illustrations where I'm going to give it away. Sorry, I hate that for you. That's my 50, all right? Pastor Stephen saw it when I was backstage. He's like, hey, uh, you need me to help you, with, <laughs> help you with church today? No, I got it, man. I got it. But my daughter, I asked her to help me out with this, and I asked her to draw me a heart. I'm Piper. So she decided, I said, draw me a heart. I need, to, I need a heart for an illustration. So she drew me a heart, a big one there. And then if you notice, there's a couple of smaller ones uh, on there. And so I said, well, I need one heart. What's the other hearts for? And there's a P by each one. I thought, this little Piper, 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 Piper. She signed it. She said, Dad, you don't have to tell them it's from me. My name is on it. They can see it. Like, okay, honey, thank you very much. Thank you very much. But she put the other hearts on there because she said, those little hearts are for people. I said, oh, that's so cool. I didn't even tell her to do that, but it fits so well with what I'm going to share today. So let's read this from Matthew 6. I'm going to read you quite a bit of scripture from this, context, from, this, uh, from this message, if you will. But let's look at Matthew 6, and we're starting verse 16. And this is what Jesus, he's talking about fasting, and he talks about our, our generosity. And I think it's very appropriate given what you've just seen today. Verse 16, he says, whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face. Now, you might be able to hide it right now, like I'm preaching to a bunch of Zorros in here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you might be able to hide... I don't know if you're sticking your tongue out at me right now or smiling. I don't know what you're doing. It's hard to tell right now with just looking at your eyeballs. But nonetheless, don't put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will watch this be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you fast, Jesus didn't say if you did. He said when. So it's a very personal thing. So when you do it, he's saying, look, don't let other people know it. Anoint your head, wash your face, so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but with your Father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So Jesus is, before we go to the next part, fasting just briefly, is obviously he's talking about when you do this, do it in a way which is not noticeable, right? So do it in a way that your father in heaven will reward you, right, from, from heaven. He's going to reward you. He doesn't need you to show everybody else if you're fasting, you know. Now, if we do church-wide fast, everybody knows we're fasting. That's one thing. It's different. But if you're going to personally fast, which you should at times, whether it's a meal, a day, or two days, whatever you decide to do, the Lord prompts you to do, when you do it, we're not supposed to walk around like, 
man, I'm so hungry. I'm just fasting for Jesus. You just, right, it just defeats the whole point, doesn't it? Now, we don't really do that. How many, how often have you ever seen a Christian walking around Rome, Georgia, going like, hey, bro, I'm just fasting, fasting for Jesus. It's just so difficult. No, you probably have never heard anyone do this because it's not so common. Our biggest thing is probably trying to get us to fast, right? It's probably just actually making the process happen. But verse 19, he, he's not, so he's not excluding what he just said about fasting. He's using it as a, a bit of a lead into what he's going to talk about even further. Verse 19, so Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For wherever, watch this, your treasure, right here, wherever your treasure is, that's where your, everybody say it together, your heart will be. The most, one of the most misquoted Bible verses in your Bible. People say constantly, well, you know, it's wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to be. That is not what Jesus said. He did not say, wherever your heart is, now that's where your treasure is going to be. Man, if you just, if you love something, if you, if, boy, if you put your heart into it, then you're really going to put your money in it. That is not what Jesus said. And consequently, people who say that and teach that and believe that have this idea that if my heart's in it, then my money's going to be. It's not true. That is not what Jesus said. Jesus said, wherever your treasure is right here your heart will follow your treasure it is not the other way you can love it all you want you say i love jesus i love the church i love everything about christian i love i love i love god i'm just telling you right now please that's fine but don't say to people man whatever your heart is or wherever your heart is that's where your treasure is going to be that is not the bible Teaching the Bible, Jesus, and this is in red, from the greatest preacher who ever preached, the greatest message that was ever preached on the mountain, the Sermon on the Mount, he said, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Everybody got it, right? Just want to make sure it's very clear before we go forward. So if you've heard it the other way, it's not true. There it is. It's in red. It's on the screens, right? It's online right now. Everybody's had a time to take it in and say, well, man, I always thought if it's wherever my heart was, then my treasure would be there. I thought if I... If I went to church, then obviously, no, it's not the way it works. I promise you it's not the way it works. If you take your money and you've invested in something, isn't it true? If you have investments over the past six months, how many times have you called a stockbroker or your investment guy during this process? Uh, (laughs) Hey, man, I was watching this and what happened to that, right? So wherever your money is, your heart is going to be drawn towards that. Jesus says this. Don't store for yourselves up for treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. So what does that actually mean for us? So think about this for a moment. Moths, it's probably not so maybe common for us. Maybe you've seen this before. I had this happen once. I had this like um, wool sweater vest thing. Really nice. I loved it. It was great in the wintertime because it was, it was warm enough to keep you warm and not too hot, you know. But it's made out of wool. And so it was hanging in our basement, in the, in the laundry, in the basement. And I went down one day to get it, to wear it. I put it on, and there's like a hole right here. And so my grandmother's so gracious. Thank you so much, Grandmama. She sewed it up where you couldn't even tell. She fixed it. A wool sweater vest. You know how hard it is to make that happen? She did it. And no one could even tell. And then one day I go, and another one 
And another one. I mean, these moths were just like having a, like a buffet on my wool vest. You know what I'm saying? And if you've never had that happen, you may not know what this means. But in their day, think about this. We have all these synthetic fabrics now, like polyester and whatever else. We got rayon and, and whatever all the kind of stuff is, man. So all these things we have now, you don't see as much of it. But think about in their day. Much more common, wool garments, things of fabrics that were more natural, you know, and not, not, not so synthetic. Moths would have eaten into a lot of their clothing. So Jesus is saying, look, don't, don't store up for yourself all this clothes. You know as well as I do in about five years, you're making a trip to the Salvation Army anyway. Don't, you don't need a closet that's 24 by 24. Listen, I know I'm not going to get the biggest closet in our house. I got that. But, but we don't need enough to stock it up like Target, you know. It, it's unnecessary. It's going to rust. It's going to be eaten by moths. It's going to decay. It's going to get out of style. Jesus said, don't put everything into what you got here. And he also says, don't put it, your money worth thieves breaking and steel. So what did that mean for their time? That meant like they, would, they copied some of the customs of other civilizations. And so they had the, the context of it was in a coffin or a tomb or a sepulcher or whatever. They would put their jewels and their, their assets and all this kind of stuff. Man, in our culture, you may stack some Benjamins, stack some money. And it, you've never seen this in American culture. You might have seen somebody drop a ring in, like leave it with somebody that they love, put it in a cast, maybe a necklace. You might have seen something small like that. But I promise you, you've never seen a coffin at a funeral. And you walk by and see, you know, there goes old Junior, you know, whatever. And, and there's stacks of Benjamins. I mean, it's full. You can't even see nothing but his head. He's got money all around him saying, well, you know, he works so hard. He's going, they ain't a family member in that man's family going to say, let that happen. Gonna, no, no. I know he loved his money, but we're going to have to, can't take it with you. You know, we're going to figure this out. There's not a family you've ever seen do that. It's not common in our culture. In their culture, they did it. And the Bible, and so what happened was they had what we call grave robbers. They would break into the tombs and steal all these treasures out. And so in their culture, Jesus said, look, don't store for yourself up like this. Don't put it in your coffin. You can't take it with you, and we all know that. So why does Jesus make this such an issue in his message? Well, let's continue reading. You'll hear this. He says, for where your treasure is, there's your heart, verse 21. For the eye is the lamp of the body, so then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, then your whole body would be full of darkness. And he says this, if then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? How about this? If the light in you that you think you know is really darkness, how great is that darkness? Wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. If the light that you think you have is actually darkness, how great is that darkness? See, people misquote Jesus all the time, and they think it's acceptable, but it's not. He said, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Well, I mean, it don't really matter. No, it matters. It matters. The greatest preacher that ever preached, the greatest message that was ever preached, it matters. I think he wants his, to- his context correct, don't you? I think he would want it right. He says this, if the light that you think you have is darkness, how great is that darkness? And then he says in verse 24, interesting verse, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth or mammon. Now, I'm going to lay out a couple of thoughts real quick on this, okay? First of all, this does not contradict the idea of providing for you or your family. The idea that there is some kind of impoverished life of a Christian that you must take upon yourself and never have anything nice is ridiculous. The Bible is filled with blessings and promises of God. God does not mind and actually wants you 
to have nice things in life. That is, goes completely against the Bible when people say, well, God just wants you to be impoverished and give all of your money to, to everything and not have anything. You just live on crackers and water. That's not the Bible. My God says when he sent Israel into the promised land, it was a land filled with milk and with honey. Man, it had grapes and pomegranates and good stuff. It was a land that was blessed. I'm not going to live as a Christian and some impoverished, I'm going to eat some TV dinners every night kind of lifestyle. That's what God wants me to be. No, 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 he don't. I'm sorry. Every now and then I'm going to have me a steak. I, I hate it. People that believe that, it, listen, that's not true. On the other hand, God also doesn't want us to consume everything that we have that comes through our hands only on ourselves. So he wants you to provide. Matter of fact, he wants you to lay up and, and put investments in for you and for your family. If that was not true, he would not have given you many, many parables and proverbs and other teachings that say things that you should invest, you should plan, you should prepare for you and for your family. They would go against God's nature and against everything the Bible teaches to say, you should not ever have anything in life. That's not true. But Jesus is teaching this to us, how we should deal with God and how we should deal with our money. So he continues on this. I'm going to jump over to Luke 16 now because he kind of explains a little bit better with a parable. Jesus is known for all these parables, great stories that he taught. So let me read this to you here. Luke 16, 1, verse 2. And he was saying to his disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and this manager was reported to him as squandering his possessions. So in other words, it's a business owner, and he's got this guy's managing his funds. And he called him in, and he said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management, for you can no longer be a manager for me. Now, it's interesting because we overlook this all the time in our culture. We think that our work doesn't matter to God, but it does matter to God. Listen, you're watching online right now. Listen to me very carefully. Your work matters to God. When you work for people, it is a reflection of your attitude towards how you work for God. I don't care how big of a jerk he is or how mean you think she is. I don't care. I know you can't all work for a great guy like me. I hate that for you. I mean, you know what? My, I hate that for you, but that's just the way it is. But no matter what, how you work for somebody is a reflection of how you work for God. I went to Pastor Steve's office this, morning, this week, and I walked into his office, and on the, on the board is like this huge four-by-four four wall of multicolored cards. It like the let's make a deal or something like that, you know, and there's like stuff everywhere. And I said, man, what, what is all this? He said, oh, Pastor Jody, he said, well, that's, that's the new, new curriculum process we're going through. We're about to switch gears on a couple of things and change gears on some things and do some stuff different. I said, really? I said, well, that's interesting. It looks kind of cool. And he said, yeah, it's great. It's great. It's great. He said, number one, throughout the pandemic, throughout this whole thing, give me some time to look into some stuff, check on some stuff. I found a curriculum process that is actually cheaper than what we were using before. Well, that's cool. Then he says, and this curriculum does both for our students and for our kids. It will enforce or give us a better return on our investment, if you will. He didn't use that word, but in a, in a sense he did. On discipleship. Oh, man. That's great, bro. He said, yeah, and the only thing about it is it's going to require, it, it requires us to engage volunteers of our church a little more deeper. And I thought, that's awesome. So I looked at this board and I saw all these colors and all these things on there. And I thought to myself, good manager. You saved me money. You're telling me I'm going to get a better return on the business that I'm involved with, which is discipling people. And at the same time, you're telling me I'm going to engage our church in a deeper way for our students that are good manager. Right? Don't you agree? Absolutely. Listen, 
I could tell you stories of that for every one of our staff members who have done it during this time. Some of the reasons why you give differently online now is because they figured out a better way to do data differently, more economically, and a better provision for our church. All kinds of stories, like from tech to music, everything we're in, every one of them have done things like this, these stories like this. They're all good managers. But what if they did like this guy? What if they squandered everything that they had? She said, wouldn't be a good manager. Now listen to what he, the Colossians says is about how we work. Colossians 3.23 says, Wherever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of your inheritance, it is the Lord Christ in whom you serve. Don't ever forget this, man. How you work matters. Who you work for, it matters. They may be a jerk, but you're not working for them anyway. You're working for God. You're working for the Lord. And you say, well, I wish I could work for you, Pastor. If I work for a church, y'all probably get around here and pray all day long. And Jesus fills the room and angels just fly around the room and all kind of stuff. Oh, I wish I could work for you. It'd be so great. I work with all these unchristians. Let me just tell you something. You might think that that's how it is, but I'll tell you a story about that later. It ain't the way it always is. My friend over here, now I'm not going to, it's a good story. My my friend Jason, you don't know, y'all may or may not know my friend Jason. I know him for, he's my, my friend for like, a long time. We worked fast food in high school together. He now works for a company in town called North Georgia. He's a great technician. He works for them. And we have numerous units here that, like a lot of them, you've got to take care of them. They cost a lot of money, right? And every time we call, we want Jason to come fix it. The problem when you call to ask for Jason to come fix it is he's backlogged by all these other people that want Jason to come fix their stuff too. I can't, Jay, at North, he, his man, the guy overseas, he's like, well, you know, he's kind of bad. He's like, eight people need him before you. Man, bro, I'm done. I, I got church on Sunday. I need the air working. Well, you know what I mean? We'll see what we can do. But all these people want Jason. Let me tell you why they want Jason. Because he works for them like he would Jesus. Now, what I mean by that, he's honest. It doesn't matter how mean the customer is. He's going to treat them right. And I'm telling you, If you don't think that matters to God, you're mistaken. It matters how we work. Now back to the parable, verse 3. So the manager said to himself, man, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig a ditch. (laughs) He's like a little wimp, you know. He can't dig a ditch. I'm I'm too ashamed to beg, so he's got pride. He said, I know what I'll do. So when I'm removed from the management, people will come and welcome me into their homes. And so he summoned each one of his master's debtors, and he began to say to the first, How much do you owe him? He said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. And he said to another, And how much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said, Take your bill and write eighty. And the master, watch this. The owner praised the unrighteous manager because he acted so shrewdly because the sons of this age or this world are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than sons of light. Or Christians. And Jesus said, I say unto you, make your friends for yourselves by means of wealth, or, or mammon, of the unrighteous mammon, so that when it fails, or you, you know, things fall apart, they'll receive you into eternal dwellings, because eternal things matter more than temporary. For he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much, and he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous mammon, who will entrust the true riches to you, which are, what my daughter said, the two little hearts are for what? People. People. 
He says, if you've not been faithful in the use of that which is another person's, who will give you that which is your own? And then Jesus explains it. So now watch, he brings it back home. No servant can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and mammon. Listen to me. Your heart always follows your treasure. Always follows your treasure. Or we can say it this way. Your heart follows your desires. Your heart follows your desires. In Psalms 37.3, the Bible says this, that we trust in the Lord and do good. We dwell in the land and we cultivate faithfulness. That means we feed on his faithfulness. We delight ourselves in the Lord and he'll give us the desires of our heart. It means you feed on God's faithfulness even when other people seem like they're getting ahead of you and they do wrong or they're mean or they're not. And you're trying to do your little Christian walk. You know, you're trying to get your stuff together. You're doing your thing right. But they're making progress and you're not. You feed on God's faithfulness and remind yourself that I'm not doing this for people. I'm doing this for God. I work as unto the Lord. When I give, I'm not giving to pay a light bill. I'm giving to affect people. When I help people, my neighbor, when I help them in the city, whatever I do to help people on the side, or whatever, I, I'm helping people, but I'm doing it because I love Jesus. I'm not helping other people in New York City because I heard some sad, soppy story. Those are people's lives who I'm in a better position right now to help. Do you understand what I'm saying right now? I'm not in this because I feel obligated. I'm doing it because I put my treasure first. My heart says, I'm going in that direction. So Jesus says, man, wherever you put your treasure, your heart's going to follow. And whatever your heart desires, the Bible actually says he'll give you the desires of his heart. Desires are motivating. They're motivating. So maybe I don't know where you are right now and what you're thinking about all these different things. But a very interesting scripture in Proverbs 3, 5 says this. If you trust in the Lord with all of your heart, it's amazing, isn't it? Trust the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. For it will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. This is what he says. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all you produce, so that your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats overflow with new wine. Now, why would God want to fill your barn? Why would God want to fill your barn? Why would he want to overflow your vat? This is why that in poverty, this poverty mindset that some people have about Christianity, that, well, we should never have anything, that's ridiculous. If you never have anything, how can you ever help anyone? If you never are able to, what if somebody is truly in need and you could do something to help them, but you said, well, I just, just, I don't want to have anything because I'm afraid, you know, whatever, I just need to be an impoverished servant of Jesus. That's ridiculous. I bet we don't think that way personally. No, no, no. If that's so, so go to your job tomorrow and just say, hey, look, I'm just going to work for free this week. I just want to be a servant and be an impoverished Christian. I'm going to work for free this week. Ain't nobody doing that. Nobody's going to do that. If you do, you're crazy. The heart is serving God so you can depend on its leading of the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing how the more we trust God with our finances, the more that he will help us with discernment, good investments, better purchases, and solid wisdom. 
So today, listen, if you're watching online in this room right now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Why would Jesus make this a focal point? Please don't overlook this right now and think, well, man, preachers preach about money. I had this plan. I, look. Please. Please don't go there. We just, I, we've been in the middle of a pan. We've been helping people like crazy with stuff. I'm not asking you. People give it online right now. I'm not even looking to see if people give something in the box today. That's not for you. If you're online right now, listen to me. I'm not trying to push you or pursue. I'm trying to hear this message. The greatest preacher that ever preached. The greatest message that was ever preached. And Jesus talked about this and said to us all, if you really want to know where your heart is, find out where this is at. Because wherever this is, this will follow this. That's Jesus, not Jody, by the way. And we don't trust the Lord. I think we all know what happens in this area. We make hasty purchases. We may do things we shouldn't do. We spend money we shouldn't spend. And then we go like, oh, God, please help us. Please help us. And you'll be like, well, I tried to help you. So today, I want us all to take a moment. You've had six months of this craziness, right? If you're online right now, I want you to take a moment. Just take a moment. Just close your eyes right where you are. Just Maybe you're at home watching online or maybe in this room right now. Just close your eyes just for a moment. We're going to make a prayer right here. I'm just going to say a prayer over you and a prayer over our church. You're here, you're just listening to me right now. You say, hey, Pastor Jody, man, I know Jesus talks about money. I know it's all throughout the Bible about how to manage money and finances and things like that. <clears throat> Pastor Jody, I just, I'm not, I don't even know where to start. That's okay. You start by acknowledging to the Lord, Lord, how do I begin? Where do I start, God? And if you feel like, man, I do this already, I'm, I'm a, I feel like I'm a good steward. That's great. Praise the Lord. Be encouraged today and understand that God trusts you and would entrust more into your hands the greater you manage his resources. But I want to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I lift up to you every person watching right now online, every person in this room right now that's abilities <clears throat> here. God, I pray today, Lord, that you would help us to seek you. Lord, understand that wherever our treasure is, that's where our heart is also. Not to mix up the verse, not to misquote it, Wherever our treasure is, that's where our heart will be. Lord, I ask you to help us make steps today to move towards that. Lord, to give us a generous heart, Lord, to help us be generous in all that we do, helping others when we can, and ultimately it's serving you through helping people, Lord. And I pray if anybody's listening right now or in this room that doesn't know you, I pray today they'll pray this prayer and surrender their life to you. While your eyes are closed, no one's looking around right now. I just want to pray for you. If you're here or you're watching online right now, you're not saved, you're not a Christian, you say, man, I, that's my first step. I need to receive Jesus. I want you to simply pray this prayer. You can pray it out loud just right where you are in your home or in this room right now today. Just say something like this. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my life. I give you my heart and I give you everything that I have. I surrender to you today, Jesus, and I give you complete control. I make you the Lord of my life. And I surrender fully in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so, so proud of you, right, church? Would you give them a hand right now? Let them know online how much you love them. So proud of you. And listen, man, there's folks right now who will just help you if you're in this room right now. It's the same thing because we don't have paper or anything to write on right now. But it's called connect.cornerstonerome.com. If you prayed that prayer, if you need any help getting started walking with God, 
need materials, et cetera, et cetera, just fill that out for us right now. Let us know. We want to help you get started walking with Christ. Before we go, we always like to speak this blessing over our church. If you think for any moment that God don't want you to be blessed, why would he put this in the Bible? But Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24 says, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. May God bless you. We love you guys so much. So glad you're here today. So glad you joined us online today. You are dismissed. We'll see you next time. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.